Well, how are we doing this morning? Come on, I think, I think everybody has had a full week, is that true? Well, listen, before I go any further, I definitely have to draw attention to the fact that I have a whole heap of family here. I think we had uh, 36 people sitting at the Thanksgiving table this year, so that was kind of awesome. So if, I'm just really excited, so I'm going to make my family stand up so that you can see them all, because they're just beautiful. They all hid in the back here, but um, I'm super excited, so love you guys. <laughs> I mean, you got to be feeling pretty good. We had family from Russia, from New York, from Tennessee, California, all the way in Portland. I mean, we, we really do it right, but it was so sweet. And uh, I just, I just am, I'm so constantly blessed and amazed at the power of what God did uh, in creating family. How many of you know that family is a good word because father is a great word? And everything that we're doing, everything that we're looking at, everything that we've been a part of is because we, we have this incredible Father, and He has made us in His image, and because He is a great Father, the gospel is great news, and we are part of a great family, amen? amen. I want to pray before I go any further, so Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for coming and reconciling us back to our Father. I thank you so much for showing us what it's like to be a great friend, what it's like to be a great son, what it's like to know a great father and have no separation between him, what it's like to be in healthy relationships, what it's like to have healthy confrontation and how to forgive. Thank you for coming and demonstrating that it's possible to be part of a great family, that it's possible to hear our Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. To hear our Father say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Thank you. Thank you for demonstrating the Father's heart. Lord, today as we, as we hear your word, I'm asking that by your Holy Spirit, you'd put fire on the word and that it would resonate in our spirits and in our hearts. God, I pray that you would anoint me and help me to communicate well the things that you've given us through the apostles, through the prophets. Lord, go deep in us and let us come away one step closer to you today. One heartbeat further with you today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for those of you that, uh, that, that might be here for the first time, we've been on a journey through the New Testament which is why we have the title up there. And we've been reading through the New Testament in 12 weeks, which has been pretty awesome. And um, we, we uh, are continuing through on that. And then what we've been doing is just grabbing some headlines because that's a lot of material to go through to try to preach everything in the New Testament in 12 weeks. I don't know if we could pull that off. Probably Jason could. He could probably do it, but I don't think I could. Um, so today what I want to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us through a, a portion of Scripture um, in Peter and John, and I'm going to take some some uh, some some pieces there and tie it together. But I um, I want to start with just a little bit of uh, background. This is a picture here when Nero was was uh, persecuting the church, persecuting the family, and um, what had happened was a um, a fire had broke out in Rome. No one really knows, you know, how it broke out. Um, 
Jason alluded to it a little bit, but a lot of people said they believe Nero actually set the fire. And so uh, it, it burned for a week. It burned three quarters of Rome to the ground. And when that happened, the people uh, were furious. And so what Nero did was he said, oh, well, you know, it's that cult. You know, those guys that follow Christ, it's those Christians, they set it on fire. And from that point, there was a tremendous amount of persecution that just went to a fever pitch. And in the height of it, uh, I'm going to read you uh, actually a letter from, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, an account uh, written by a historian, Tacitus. And so uh, let let me just jump right in there. Tacitus was a young boy living in Rome during the time of the persecutions, and he's a Roman historian, so... Um, here's his account. It says, Therefore, to stop the rumor that he had set Rome on fire, the emperor Nero, falsely charged with guilt and punished with the most fearful tortures, the persons commonly called Christians, who were generally hated for their enormities. Christus, or Christ, the founder of that name, was put to death as a criminal by Pontius Pilate, procurator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius. But the pernicious superstition, repressed for a time, broke out yet again, not only through Judea, where the mischief originated, but through the city of Rome also, whether all things horrible and disgraceful flow from all quarters as to a common receptacle. Obviously, he was not a big fan of Rome. (laughs) And they were encouraged. Accordingly, first, those who were arrested, who confessed they were Christians, next, on their information, a vast multitude were convicted, and not so much on the charge of burning the city as of hating The human race, unbelievable. In their very deaths, they were made the subjects of sport, for they were covered with the hides of wild beasts and worried to death by dogs or nailed to crosses or set to fire. And when the day waned, they were burned to serve for the evening lights. Nero offered his own garden players for the spectacle and exhibited a, I don't know what this word is, a circentian game, indiscriminately mingling with the common people in the dress of a charioteer or else standing in the chariot. For this cause, a feeling of compassion arose toward the sufferers, though guilty and deserving of exemplary capital punishment, because they seemed not to be cut off for the public good, but were victims of the ferocity of one man. Just an unbelievable, Nero was a, he was just, ooh, just evil incarnate. But here's the part that, that really stuck out to me was that Tacitus, who also clearly wasn't a fan of Christians, I don't know if you noticed that, (laughs) but he said that they were convicted not so much on the charge of burning the city, but as of hating the human race. And so here is the culture, here's the back, this is the backdrop of what our brothers and sisters who have gone before us in history are facing. They're facing intense persecution, and the culture of their day is accusing them pretty much, of hate speech. It's kind of funny how things come back around, isn't it? Really nothing new under the sun, is there? The same, the the truth remains the truth. God remains God. People remain people. Those that are evil uh, tend to continue in that direction. Those that are are encountering God and and repent tend to get better. But you see, the, the, the plot has remained so much the same. And I, want to give you, I wanted to give you this backdrop. The other thing that was happening, too, was that throughout the earth at this point, those that were being saved were super excited. They're being adopted into a family. They're, they're encountering what we all encountered when we first met Christ. 
I feel like the, the worship team did such a phenomenal job today of their selection of songs because ultimately what they, were, what they picked was almost all, and I guess all worship songs are that to some, to some extent, but I, but I could see the Holy Spirit's direction in that all of the songs were, were reminding us of our first love, reminding us of what Christ has done for us, reminding us of what it is to be in the kingdom and who this Father is that's pulled us into his own family. Because not one of us came out of a situation where we were completely innocent. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But every one of us, because of the goodness of God, because of the, the tenacity and the perseverance of a father's heart that loves and just will not stand to let his family be taken from him, has come and by Jesus Christ made us able to reconcile to him if we will. Isn't that good news? Are you guys awake? A little bit? All right, we're gonna, we're gonna get you warmed up by the end of this. But um, so, so here is this, this message then from Peter and John. Peter and John at this point, um, as you guys have been reading, they're coming to the end of their life and they know it. And not the natural end. Um, <laughs> well, actually, John did actually have a natural end, but he was also off on an island being exiled, so he kind of didn't know what was gonna happen. But Peter, he's coming to the end of his life, and this is their letter. I want you to just take a minute, and I want, to, I want, I want us to go with our, our wonderful hearts and imagination. I, I want you to see yourself sitting at the, at the Thanksgiving table. You're hanging out, you're looking at your brothers and your sisters and your children, your grandchildren and your aunts and your uncles and your grandpas and all that, Okay. You're hanging out. Now you, and, and here's where we're going to set the tone. You know that you're never going to see these people again on this earth. And so you're going to write them a letter speaking and encouraging what it is that's most important because you know you won't be able to tell them face to face again because your time is up. Are you guys with me? All right, so now, now with that being the case, this is what Peter and John are doing in these letters. They're saying to their children, look, I know what's going on. I know what we've all done together. My time is coming to an end, and here's what I wanna say to you. You guys ready? 2 Peter 1, 1 through 15. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. In other words, you get to be like Jesus. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to the point of blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. Now, I think this is interesting that, they, that he uses the word barren. You'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word barren is argos, 
And it's usually translated idol. It's not, not idol like I worship this idol, but idol is in, you know, <laughs> idol. It means free from labor, labor. It means at leisure, lazy, shunning the labor which one ought to perform. Labor shunners. So he says, I, I, I don't want you to be either barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So he's saying, essentially, you're to be in the habit of doing this. You're to be laboring to see these things being formed in your own life and in the lives of those that are around you. You are not wanting to show yourself to be idle. You're not wanting to be showing yourself to be free from labor in these things or at leisure or lazy. But these are gonna, you're going to be consistently practicing these things. You guys with me? I want to I break this apart just a little bit here. Uh, after I finish the, the scripture here. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Say, do these things. Do For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. So here's the father using that. I, 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 you guys, if you've ever spent time with me, you probably hear me say, we've got to always remind each other. We've got to remind each other daily. We have to stir each other up daily. Why? Why do we have to stir each other up daily? Because we forget. Because we forget. Because the day is long. <laughs> and we do. We forget. So here he is, a great father right here saying, remind you always. I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, and he's talking about his body, because he knows he's, he's ending soon, to stir you up by reminding you, there it is again, yes, I think it is right, as, I, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. And isn't that amazing? We're reading the reminder of those things after his decease. That's a good dad right there. That's a good father in the faith. So Peter, he's, he's stirring us up. He's reminding us because we have to be reminded. Now, I'm going to take a minute, and I'm going to look at the ingredients of what this father in the faith has laid out for us. Because I think that we go through this rather quickly, and it's poetic. But today, I want to come at it, and, and, and I want to look at what, what he's baking up here and what he deems the necessary ingredients in standing in the midst of persecution. Because remember, he's writing this letter while people are being sawed in half. He's writing this letter while people are being marginalized and losing their rights. They're despised by everyone. They're blamed by everyone. They're misunderstood by everyone. And then this is Peter's, this is Peter's letter to them. One of the things I always thought was interesting is you notice that he, they never have any, like, I, if, if I were writing the letter, which is probably why I wasn't allowed to, I would be saying things like, listen, I've talked to several people, and there's, there's a couple tips for when they're cutting your leg off, what you should be doing. Or, you know, I mean, don't you think there'd be some practical, like, while you're being, while you're going through horrible torture? Does anybody else think about this stuff? I'm just saying, like, it seems like that you would want to give people some practical, hey, when this happens, do this. Because I actually feel like in the midst of all this that their answers are kind of devoid of some of those practicals of how to deal with 
wicked people and, and, and pain. At least the way I would look at it. Have you, you guys haven't noticed this? Are you reading in the readings thing? I'm starting to feel a little bit like I'm the only one that thinks like this. Which is probably good. Here, here's, what I, here's what I want you to catch about this. Look at the way they're writing this letter in the midst of all of this trouble. Because they're, they're saying this is what's most important. That's my point. I would be pulling out these little, silly little, you know, coaching for how to breathe through. I'd, Lamaze. I would have thought that would have been when it was invented. But this is what he says. He says, For this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And so I wanted to go and I wanted to look at these ingredients. And so the first thing is diligence. He says, therefore, adding all diligence, which is earnestness in accomplishing, promoting, or striving after something. So he's saying, therefore, since all these things are happening, and since I'm soon going to die, and since I'm going to leave this tent, I want to remind you to be diligent. I want to remind you to be diligent. I want you to continue promoting and striving after what? Add to your faith virtue. So in these things, I want you to add to your faith. So we have to have faith, which comes from the word pistis. And it's the conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. So he's saying diligently promote in faith this. And then add to that faith so that you know, you know that he's God. Fantastic. I know that about you. This is Peter. I know that about you. I think that's awesome. And I want you to add to that virtue. I want you to add moral excellence, a course of thought, feeling, and action motivated by, good, by goodness, by moral goodness. So he's reminding us, in the midst of all of these things, you guys remember, be diligent. Continue in faith. And then add to that virtue. So you believe, great, but it's not enough just to believe. See, he's in a situation where there are other teachers and others that are saying, you know, you Christians, you're kind of hoity-toity, you're kind of particular, because they lived in a pagan culture, right? They lived in a pagan culture that specifically, as, all, as, as, as any place where darkness prevails, horrible sexual sin going on. Like, don't deny yourself anything. What's the point of that? You should be celebrating pleasure in any form that, it's so, that you so desire. It's also, there's massive issues with slavery. There's massive issues with, uh, with uh, uh, mis- I, mean, I can't say it. There are a lot of misogynists. They're not nice to women. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, there's all of these things that are happening, and the teachers are saying, listen, this is how it is. What, what are you Christians doing? You're messing with our version of the culture. What you should do is, okay, fine. God's love, that's okay. He could be love. Christ came. Well, that's fine. Okay, he came. But maybe he wasn't quite what you thought he was. Maybe what he meant was love everybody means accept them right where they're at. But don't ask them to change anything because that's not very loving. It hurts their feelings. The same teachings that we're hearing today were being taught then. And his response is, great, with all diligence, continue with what you started. Continue in the faith that God is who he says that he is and Jesus is his son. But that's not enough just to believe that. You've got to practice that and you're going to add to that virtue. But then as you add virtue, knowledge. So you're not allowed to just be foolish 
and continue where you were, but you're going to want to continue on in knowledge, understanding, learning, knowing, coming to know and perceive and feel the presence of God. And then he says, then to that, self-control. Strong, I love that, strong and robust. Having power over, controlling oneself. He's saying, listen, you've got virtue, good. Then add knowledge, understand the why of what you're doing. Understand and know the heart of the Father and what he's bringing. Then add to that self-control. Walk in such a way that you can say to others, follow me as I follow Christ. And then he says, perseverance. Add to it then perseverance. To self-control, perseverance. You're, You're taking good care of yourself, good. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. How many times have we heard that? Don't grow weary. Don't give up. Don't forget where you started. Persevere. Be steadfast. Stay constant. Endure in the midst of the pressures and the things that are going on. And then he says, to that, add godliness. I thought that was an interesting place to put it. I would have assumed it would have been earlier up. But it's reverence and respect. It's where we get the word piety. It's piety towards God, dutiful in true religion. So you're adding to that, that you're, that you're not allowing yourself to grow cold. You're not allowing yourself to consistently lower the standard but you're consistently coming back and understanding what the Lord's will is. You're consistently washing yourself with the water of the word as we are right now. And to that he says, to godliness, brotherly kindness, which is the word Philadelphia. City of brotherly love. That's why they call it the city of brotherly love because it's actually named brotherly love. Philadelphia. How many of you didn't know that? Come on. I love these moments. See that? Research. Do it. So Philadelphia means loving a brother or sister. In a broader sense, loving one like a brother. So I love you like a brother. Philadelphia. Do you Philadelphia that person? (laughs) And then he says, finally, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? He said, if these things abound. Let me finish this thought. I got ahead of myself, didn't I? So love is, is agape, and you guys are familiar with agape. It's affection, it's goodwill, love, benevolence, brotherly love to, to welcome, to entertain, to be fond of. It sounds like Thanksgiving, doesn't it? To love dearly, I like this, to be well-pleased, to be contented with. God so loved us. This was him, this is what he led with. I have affection for you. I have goodwill towards you. I have benevolence towards you. You've done nothing, and this is how I feel towards you. Isn't that good? So he lays this out. Peter's laid this all out, and he finishes with this statement to say, for if these things are yours and abound, if these ingredients are yours, if this is who you are and how you roll, if they abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful. And the barren, as we know, you won't be idle then. You won't just stop at saying, I believe a thing, but you will actually live these things and you will practice these things. So I want to talk a little bit more about love. 1 John 3, 1 through 24. Same time period is going on right here. We're looking at the same general time period. So he says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. 
Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we will be like him. For we shall see him as he is. He's talking about when we get our new bodies. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin, and whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, speaking of Jesus, is righteous. Are you noticing a theme here? John is coming from the same place and saying, brothers, I want you to remember this, God is love. He gave you love, he is loving. Look at what he did through Jesus Christ. Now the teachers and the culture is saying, hey, God is love, we're cool with that. Do whatever you want, it's all good. Just, it's a progressive love. It's a progressive love. You know, there's, these, this new cult, they're getting it wrong. It's a progressive love. There's, you don't have to put limits on that. How, how do you want to apply it? We want to apply it this way. Well, well, John is looking at this and he's saying, well, that's ridiculous. He says, listen, you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. So he's reminding him, Jesus came and took away your sins and reconciled you back to the Father. Therefore, those who by virtue of having repented and becoming righteous because he's righteous, they're gonna practice righteousness because if sin wasn't sin, what'd you repent from? So John is just taking the culture head on and saying, this is circular thinking, what these guys are telling you. They're telling you that there is no such thing as sin. There's just love. John is coming in and saying, love defines what is good and what is, what is bad. Love defines, okay, love, because God is love, he is the definition of what is good and bad. He's the creator. Love defines what you will hate. In fact, if there aren't things that you hate in those areas, the, on the opposite end, you probably aren't at the level of love you think you are. Let me put it to you this way. If I come and I notice that you are an alcoholic and you are drinking yourself to death, and I say, oh, I just love you, you're just amazing, you know, you're, just, you're just good, that's just a good program, I just, I just love you where you're at and that's okay. Well, that's awesome because I do love you where you're at and you are good and you're wonderful. But if we continue in a relationship and I never mention the fact that this is killing you, am I actually loving you to the degree that I'm saying? No, I'm not. I just care more about whether or not you reject me or not than I do about how much I love you. That's not love. That's, that's, you know what that is? That's self-preservation. That's me being too afraid to offend you and to tell you the truth that might actually help you. Because I guarantee your, your, your liver doesn't care about my cute little hallmark statement. Right? Your liver's like, please, love him. Let me continue. Just want to make sure I didn't miss anything here. He who sins is of the devil. Now, John is beginning to really bring it down. He's saying, listen, he who sins is of the devil. Now, is he saying that every time that you sin, you're of the devil? No. What he's saying is, those that are coming and trying to teach sin as righteousness, that, that, that you know, knowledge, that's from the devil. 
That's not coming from Jesus. It's not coming from the Father. He who sins is of the devil. Why? He says, because the, the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So he's just drawing a line in the sand and saying, listen, it isn't all relative. The devil's theory of relativity is not a good program. It's his theory. That one fell pretty flat. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. What is he saying? You cannot continue. What's the, what, is the, uh, what is the backdrop here of what he's talking about? Those that are righteous will practice righteousness. Those that are of the devil will practice sinning. What do you do when you're practicing and, and, you, know, and you miss? You pick the ball up and you shoot again. Does that mean that you're, you know, if I'm practicing and I miss, does it mean that I'm no longer playing that sport? Right? Does it mean that I'm, I'm not an athlete? In my case, it does mean that I'm not an athlete. But if I was an athlete and I was practicing, what does that mean? It means that I pick it up and the thing that I'm working on defines what I'm do- who I am and why I'm doing it, right? So I keep picking it up and I keep practicing righteousness. And what happens? Sin decreases. But if I'm practicing sin, then I have to recognize that what it is is that is becoming my lifestyle. I'm practicing that sin. These guys are living in a culture that's telling them, hey, it's all good. It's all good. There is no sin. This is nonsense. In fact, to the degree that the culture says these guys are denying themselves. They hate the whole human race. Are you catching this? They convicted them and killed them and sewed them up in skin bags and fed them to dogs because they're like, you are horrible people. You are denying your flesh and you're teaching other people to do it. That is disgusting. We celebrate diversity here in Rome. We celebrate whatever you want to do. And anybody who would come in here and say otherwise is deserving of death. That's hate speech. And so the fathers of the faith are going, listen, Here's the great news. You're practicing righteousness. Let me show you how to show a better way. And then this is what they're saying, knowing that this is, these are gonna be the last letters that they're writing. Isn't this amazing? This, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, and nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So at this point, he's actually encouraging them. Listen, if you live, live to love your brothers. And if it comes down to it, it's better that you die and keep the standard. (sighs) 
Whoever, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. He's saying the same thing that Peter just said. Don't think that just because you believe something, well, I believe in the Lord. Well, the demons believe in the Lord, but they don't serve him. So he's going on just like Peter and saying, hey, listen, if you have these things, then do it, starting in verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the church, of the truth. And we shall assure our hearts before him. If our heart condemns us, God is stronger than our heart and knows all things. I love that part. I love that part. I consistently search myself and find things <laughs> and repent of them and work on them. And then the enemy comes in and goes, I would like to help you work on that. And starts beating on me. And when my heart starts condemning me, the Holy Spirit comes in and goes, hey, whoa, <laughs> let me help you with this. How many of you are glad that when our heart condemns us, the Lord is right there. He is stronger than our heart. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. He gave us as he gave us. Hmm. Love one another as he gave us. It's gotta be this commandment. That looks like a typo to me. I'll own that. And now little children abide in him. But when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So again, he's making a distinction between the culture and what's being preached by these different teachers. At this point, there's a lot of false teachers that are out there that are twisting the scriptures, etc. He takes us right back to the first things that we learned in the kingdom. He takes us right back and says, listen, I'm not going to be with you very much longer, so I need you to catch a hold of these things. God is righteous. The devil is evil. God is good. The devil, he's bad. You are light. The devil is darkness. The two don't mix. I want to jump back to Peter here, and I'm going to end with this. I purposefully really wanted to just come and spend the majority of today reading these scriptures. The reason why is because these are the scriptures of men who walked with Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. All but John were honored to receive a martyr's death like Jesus. They gave their lives to share the good news of which we are a part. As, as, uh, as Peter said, I will, I will do my best to make sure that you're reminded of these things after I leave. And indeed, we now are still being reminded of these things even after this these, uh, this was the believers in Galatia and Minor Asia that were written, and here it is, we're being, we're being reminded. And he says this, and I, and I, think, that, I think that right now the, the key thing that I want us to come away with out, out of this very straightforward presentation of the word is that nothing has changed. We're not, we're not smarter people now than they were then. We're not progressing out of the revelation of the kingdom of heaven. The good news of the gospel is the same today as it was then. The answer to what we must do in this day is the same as it was in that day. 
And in fact, right now in America, yeah, we are suffering some minor persecution at the moment. It's true. There's a group, I, I thought it was kind of funny, they're called Freedom From Religion, which to me is just, I don't even think they see the irony in that, living in America, having something called Freedom From Religion. Anyway, I guess I'll laugh alone on that one, but that's just funny. Anyway, and, and so they sued a school because they were doing the Samaritan Christmas boxes in a public school, and so they sued the school and said, oh, this is, this is a problem because of separation of church and state. And so the school was small enough that they got bullied, and, and they went ahead and didn't do it, so then the, uh, the Freedom From Religion group went and sued another small school to see if they could do that because they're really you know, upset about, and, and here's their deal is that they're like, well, you're bribing children with you know, toys and blessing them on Christmas because you want them to convert to Jesus. Our answer is yes. That's, that's actually exactly what we're doing. We're like showing them good things on Christmas because Jesus came. We want them to think of Jesus who came, which is why we celebrate Christmas Anyway, so that, I mean, that, anyway, so, so that was their problem, and uh, so they swooped in, bah humbug, and uh, what was really cool is the second school, they weren't having it, I think it was in, uh, I believe it was in Carolina, but uh, they just said, well, that's fine, we won't do it in the school, so they just set up a bunch of tables on the sidewalk in front of the school, and everybody showed up, and they got all their stuff, and kids got their stuff, so that's a good thing. You know, it, here, here's the beauty of all this. I think the thing that I want, I want us to come away with, and I'm going to read this. I have two scriptures to read to you, and we're going to wrap this up. What I want us to catch is this. Guys, yeah, there, there are some people that don't like Christians. There are some people that don't like God. There are some cultural things that are going on that are tempting us to want to believe things that we know to be a lie so that we can get along with others. There are, there are crafty, philosophical little loopholes that there are those that want to have permission to continue in sin that they're trying to get us to go ahead and say, hey, that's fine, that's, that's more loving. It's popular right now to sin in creative ways and call it freedom of expression. You know, it, it's, sin is, 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 is very not sinny lately. You know, and, and if you if you want to call something right or wrong, you get to be a hater of the human race. That's that's a bummer. That's happened before. That's happened before. There was a man named Voltaire, and he decided that in his day he was going to obliterate Christianity. He was a uh, I think he was a count. Um, so he was, a, he was a large landowner, though, and he, he actually he owned a, a castle-sized house. And so he was going to obliterate religion in his day. And, uh, and so he went after that. Well, he died. Now they print Bibles in his house. <laughs> you know, they say Christianity is an anvil that has worn out countless hammers. The kingdom of heaven is in you and you are in the kingdom of heaven. Nothing will stop the Father's love. Don't bow to cultural pressure so that you can have a short-term reward of somebody not being mad at you. But count it all joy when people look at you and don't understand why someone so loving and so kind won't agree with them. That's all it is. I love you. I love you, and he loves you. Well, but do you agree with my lifestyle? No, of course not. But that changes nothing about how much I love you. Well, 
but do you agree with what I think? Nope, I don't agree with what you think either. But I love you. You, look, you remind me of your dad. Well, you're a hate monger. I don't think I am. Let's hug. <laughs> Let me read this to you. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. There it is again. That you may be mindful of the word. Boy, he's really pushing it there, isn't he? <laughs> both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? In other words, I have a libido and I'm greedy and I want to do what I want when I want. So where's Jesus? Because unless he shows up soon, I'm going to do what I want to do. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this, they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, don't forget this one thing. Beloved, don't forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. But he's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's saying, be patient. Realize that right now, Jesus doesn't want to come to the earth. He's, he's not willing to show up right now because for him to show up right now at this very moment, pretty conservative estimates about what? Four billion people that won't make it? Is that what we want? Lord, bail me out. It's too hard. The ACLU can't, won't let us pray in schools. Just come now. I don't care about the four billion people that you love. Now, I don't think anybody's thinking that through. I'm not accusing you guys of doing that math, but I'm saying now that you've heard the math, I think it's cool that he's not coming yet. I hope he takes a little bit longer because I, I want to share the good news with more people. And I'm not looking to get sewed up in a sack full of animal skin and fed to dogs, but I'm certainly feeling a little more encouraged when somebody gives me a dirty look because I'm a Christian. It's like, oh no, I've had a dirty look. <laughs> Accused me of being small-minded and a bigot. God. Oh. I'm just saying it's fun to laugh about this stuff. Let me finish this scripture and let you guys go home. <laughs> How many are you encouraged that the reason why he's not coming is because four billion more people he loves and I kind of think, honestly, there's probably a couple more billion that he still wants born. Because he's a really good daddy, really likes big family. I'm going to jump ahead here. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, there it is again, be diligent to be found by him in peace. Say that, in peace. peace. Yeah, we're at peace right now. We just heard great news. We just got to hang out with the, with the, with the, 
the gallery of those that have come before who did not give up in the face of persecution. We just got reminded what the fathers of the faith said and how they encouraged us. So we can be in peace without spot and blameless and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Just say that with me. What did that just say? That's amazing. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Think about that for a minute. The fact that he's not coming right now is salvation for billions of people. Isn't that amazing? That's great news. Also, our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in, in all of his epistles, speaking in, in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, like what I just read. Also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You know, have you guys noticed that there's been a kind of a, re, a popular reemergence of the unstable twisting of scriptures? How many of you have been experiencing that lately, huh? I'm saying you're doing it. I mean, it's just amazing. I'm like, where is this coming from? Well, we found a higher law that shows that the progressive reading of the scripture is actually what Jesus wanted. No, actually it's not. You're just seeing this happen again. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. Isn't that good? Since you know this beforehand. Guys, we just got the beforehand. That's a t-shirt. I got the beforehand. <laughs> Beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. How many of you today realize that the Spirit of God has just come in and reminded you to be steadfast? It's not about a great presentation. Quite honestly, I'd probably give myself a real low C today. But I have full faith in the Scriptures because you know what? I would give Peter and John an A++. And I love looking back and seeing that as they faced the culture cultural pressures as they looked down the barrel of knowing that their tent was about to expire and they were going to die and they said listen remember these things that you will be steadfast and not caught unaware when they happen but know that his I can't think of the word <laughs> this is a bad close when you can't remember the word that led up to the other word the fact is is that he's taking time his patience is salvation. So we just get to be steadfast. We get to be at peace right now. We don't need to look around and go, well, signs of the times. You don't have to worry about that. You've been in the last days ever since Jesus went up into heaven. All that you need to worry about is continuing to love steadfastly as long as it is today. Amen? Amen. All right, come on. If anybody needs prayer, I want you to come up front. Prayer servant team would love to pray for you. And for the rest of you, go have a wonderful lunch. Tell the waitress how beautiful she is today and tip her really big and tell her about Jesus' love or the waiter. But I want to remind you that you are the best news that somebody is going to see today and hear today. So share that kingdom with them, all right? 
guys have a good week.